All right, I love you. Uh, open your Bibles to, oh, not Acts 1, 2 Corinthians 5, uh, unless you want last week's sermon again, which was Acts, um, Acts 1. So we're uh, 2 Corinthians um, chapter 5, he says, uh, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of the Messiah, so that each may be repaid for what he has done, or she, in the body, whether good or evil. Therefore, since we know the fear of the Lord, we try to persuade people. All right, God's word. So we're going to finish uh, our mission and me- uh, message and mission um, series today. I thought we could do it in eight weeks. We're on twelve, so we're really going to finish today. So our, our message of of uh, the apostles handed down to us is the day of the Lord and it's, it's judgment and the day of the Lord and its restoration of all things. The, the the planet, society, our bodies, the whole bit is restored. We believe this happens through one man. Uh, Jesus, the Messiah, we believe before this day comes, there is a cross given for the forgiveness of sins for anyone who puts their trust in it. We believe all this is true because God raised Jesus from the dead. Okay, over and over and over and over. We're saying this because the apostle said it. And out of that, our mission is to follow Jesus uh, in worship, Okay, to pledge our love our trust and our loyalty to God, okay? To, to no one else, it's to follow Jesus in discipleship. So I'm going to walk on the narrow path that leads to life, and then I'm going to encourage you and the members of our church to stay on that narrow path that leads to life, and you're going to do that for me and everyone else in here. And then our third part of our mission, flowing out of worship and discipleship, is evangelism, where we bear witness to the gospel to this message through our words, what we say, and through our deeds, how we live and, and the things that we do. So uh, last week looked at what and why for uh, evangelism, and today I want to practically look at how do we go about regularly bearing witness to the good news, okay? Because this is, um, I, I think, the hard part, right? You know the message, right? You know why we need to share it, but then you get to like... Uh, what do I do? Okay. Um, and so that's my plan. It, that's not actually what's going to come out. I'm going to have a couple. So my in my head, what I'm doing today is throwing a bunch of paint at the wall and hoping some of it sticks and looks good. And you can uh, take some of it home. Okay. And actually be helpful. So we'll spend a, quite a bit of time on the first four and then blow through the last, um, the, the, or the first five and then blow through the last three. Okay. How to evangelize. Here we go. Step one, we pray. Okay, we we pray for evangelists, for our, ourselves and other evangelists, and we pray for potential people that we might harvest. So Jesus says, Matthew nine, the, the harvest is abundant, right? The fields are white. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest that He might send out laborers um, into the harvest. So we ask God. Step one: ask God for workers. Say, God, send out workers into the harvest. Let us answer that prayer. Show us, you know. Who our harvest might be, co-worker, neighbor, family member, whatever. And then give us the spirit to be obedient. Right? It's praying. Asking God um, for these things. Easy? 
So we pray for workers, okay? Second, we pray for boldness and, and for clarity. We pray for boldness so that we don't cower to the fear of man, okay? Which if you're a human, this exists in you. And then for clarity so that what we're saying boldly is crystal clear, right? And it's important you have both because you all know people who are bold with no clarity about what they're saying, Okay, And you might know people who have tons of clarity but are mice and can't actually say it. So the apostles, they pray for both and tie those things um, together. Acts 4, they lifted their... This is what Stoney uh, just prayed, so we're, we're going to hit this a lot. They lifted their voices together to God. So just wanna, this is a corporate prayer meeting. The church, this is not private prayer closet. Me and Jesus praying for these things together. They are gathered and praying, and they said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. All right? So they have a good idea of who they're talking about here. God who brought history into existence. God who will bring uh, history to its climactic conclusion. Sovereign Lord who made everything. And now they've got their eyes and hearts lifted up to the Sovereign Lord. And what do they pray? Verse 29, they ask God... Grant to your servants, what? Yeah, that we are continue to speak your word with all boldness. Bonus, while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus, right? That's a nice little addition to the boldness thing if you back it up with power. So God, grant us boldness, we're praying, not to shrink back in the face of difficulty or the fear of man or whatever other uh, excuses there. And then God, back up our message with power, right? We don't want to come on Sunday or any other time that we're sharing the gospel. We don't want to just come with words, right? Paul's deal, I didn't come to you with eloquence of speech, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, right? Whether that's conviction in the heart or like signs and wonders and miracles and stuff, we'll take all of it, okay? We need all of the help here. So verse 31, when they had prayed, all of them together in a corporate prayer meeting, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, okay? Every time filled with the Holy Spirit is used in Luke and Acts, the immediate thing right after it is someone's preaching the gospel, Okay, even uh, in in Luke, uh, John the Baptist is filled with the spirit right in the womb. And and then uh, uh, Mary or or, yeah, yeah. The other mom breaks forth into praise about the works of God because someone else is filled with the spirit. Anyway, cool little thing there. And they continue to speak the word of God with boldness. Okay, so they prayed for boldness and then the spirit gave them boldness. Right. You have not because you ask not. I know this is like so simple and elementary, like we should ask God for things that we need. You know, okay, but this is really how it works. They need boldness to proclaim the message in all the different kinds of places that this happens. And so they ask for it. Okay, so let's not be, you know, so, you know. Falsely uh, uh, self-sufficient and and not think that we don't have to ask for this. We ask for it and God gives it. Okay, uh, Ephesians six. They, the boldness and clarity he says, pray at all times in the Spirit. Pray also for me. What that the message may be given to me that when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery. Of the gospel, that message of the day and the man and the cross and the resurrection. Pray that I might be bold enough to speak about it as I should. 
Pray that I'm bold enough to speak it clearly. Colossians 4. Pray also for us that God may open a door to us for the word to speak the mystery of Christ so that I might make it known as I should. Right? Not make it known as I shouldn't. Right? Clear. Clarity. I don't want to say the... Something that's not true, okay? So we pray for workers, we pray for clarity and boldness, and then we pray that the word that goes out with boldness and clarity is honored. 2 Thessalonians 3, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly, may be spread rapidly, and may be honored wherever it goes, just as it was among you guys. Pray that what happened to you guys happens to this other people that I'm about to speak to, okay? So, So just first, right at the front, prayer, okay? We, we pray. It's not a, a, like a side issue to evangelism. It's not, like, it's not like it's a nice bonus. Well, you should pray if you want to be faithful in evangelism. It's like, no, you have to. Jesus said you have to. The apostles said you have to. And we're not Jesus and we're not the apostles. Okay? Unless there's someone hiding in here that I don't know about, right? So if prayer is like the thing for evangelism for these guys, should it not be the thing for us? Okay? And, and just on, like another thing with, with prayer and with everything, people who don't pray about evangelism probably don't evangelize, right? People who don't pray about discipleship probably don't disciple anybody, right? You, you, you can just fill in the blank. People who don't pray about their marriage probably are, are having a harder time there, right? People who don't pray about their children. Like it's just... It's common sense stuff, and you are all common sense people, so you know what I'm saying. So let's just make an aim, an effort to pray about these things every day. In our homes, let's pray for evangelism. In our groups, in our church meetings, in our prayer meetings, let's pray about evangelism. Okay, I love Larry's class for lots of reasons. Uh, but one of wh- one of the reasons is uh, every Sunday, except for this Sunday, the Sunday I'm using this illustration... Uh, uh, Larry prays for all the churches in town. And, and what's he say? We pray that someone gets saved today. Yeah. Two-second prayer, but God hears it. And, and, and God's sending angels and sending workers based on that prayer. So practically, how to, to get handles on praying for uh, evangelism, you can go to um, our church website or, or in your app. And you click resources right in your app. Click prayer guide after that. And then click on uh, evangelism prayers, right? And I've got uh, 15 prayers from the scriptures for evangelism. You can just open up and pray those things and look what God might actually do when we search for him in, in prayer. Okay, so let's let's pray. Use that prayer guide. Next, rehearse the gospel. Uh, believe the gospel yourself. It's easy to share what you know. It's double easy to share what you love. Matthew 12, out of the overflow of the heart, what happens? The, the mouth speaks, okay? I spent a good portion of my life, um, and I, I still am, just not as with, with as much vigor as I used to, a good portion of my life as an evangelist and an apologist for Russell Westbrook, okay? Out of the overflow of my heart, I just, I have to defend his honor. Out of the overflow of my heart, my mouth would speak, okay? And, and I, would, I would do it often, and the gospel's the same way, Okay? It works the exact same way. The more that you rehearse the gospel and you get it down into your bones, down into your guts, the easier it's going to flow out of you, okay? Because it's in your heart. It's just like you just talk about it, 
Okay, like it's just what you do. So meditate on the day of the Lord, the resurrection and the age to come. Okay, think about it all the time. Every time you have a meal, right? Every time we have this meal, every time we meet in a home group, every time you have a meal at home, go, man, the feast and the age to come on Mount Zion is going to be better than this. Can you imagine? And you think about these things and you meditate on them. Meditate on, on the day of the Lord and the judgment that comes with it. And the lake of fire that comes with it. And meditate on Jesus' cross given for sinners so that they might be saved from that. Right? Like think about these things and it's just going to be normal to come out. Right? Because this is what we want to do is we want to get to where it's not like an awkward thing to talk about. Okay? It's not awkward for you to talk about the weather because it's always there, always, always relevant. And you, you know, thinking about it because you walk outside and the weather is there. Um, it, it, we want the gospel to be the same way. OK, I know easier said than done. But see the point, if I'm thinking about these things and it's normal for me to talk about these things. OK, I mean, really, I was an apologist for Russell Westbrook because um, he needed it. God doesn't need it, but we, we do it in obedience, okay? So rehearse the gospel yourself. Um, second, or third, we've we got to kill dumb excuses, okay? we got to kill them. We have to kill them. Uh, I don't have time. You do, okay? You do. Some seasons of your life are going to be harder and crazier than others, but those seasons don't last forever. You do have time. We make time for what we value. That's why you're here Right at, at nine o'clock, ten o'clock on a weekend on a beautiful day, you say no. Actually, my this is valuable to me. Okay, this is this is valuable in my obedience to God. This is valuable in my my own discipleship. So I'm going to make time. Get my kids dressed. Okay, and I don't know what you guys' homes were like. I remember with five at home, it was crazy Sunday morning, but we made it. Okay, because why? Mom and Dad valued it. Now their kids grow up and they value, you just make time for what's important. So I don't have time is not an excuse to not evangelize. Okay. And I, I should have prefaced the sermon with this. I broke all these rules yesterday. Okay. <laughs> I was in Dollar General. Uh, I was, I was uh, cleaning soap scum off the shower. I needed a scrubber, went to Dollar General and I've been thinking about evangelism and I see a guy and I'm like, oh, I got to get back in the shower. I don't, I don't have time for this. Do you know how pathetic and silly that is? Saying it out loud. We have a church vote after service today. You can fire me then, members, right? Like, I, that was my, I, was, I don't have time, right? I, I, I got to get this thing done. Guys, that shower is going to be fine. I mean, after a certain amount of time, it's not going to be fine, but it's going to be fine. That guy might not be, and I have news that could save his life. I don't have time. It, it's not um, an excuse. Uh, I send... Uh, just also, you guys hit every single one of these <laughs> points in your Sunday school today. Uh, I sin, right? Or I'm unworthy or, or, or I'm unholy. Uh, maybe you can relate. Anytime, less so now that I've been following the Lord more, but especially when I was younger. Um, if I'm going to do something as a disciple, like if I'm going to pray, like, okay, I'm going to pray. I'm going to study. Uh, I'm getting ready to preach. I'm, uh, I'm going to teach to do music. Um, a lot for, for our church or evangelize. I'm about to do those things. And the enemy comes up and says, well, you, right? You like, I know what you looked at this week, brother. I know how your eyes wandered. I know what you said to your wife. I know what you thought about that guy on the road. You're going to evangelize, right? 
Like this, like this it, it's, it's a real thing. These are not good reasons to not evangelize, though, right? Because you sinned, you can't share the gospel. Stupid, okay? And you think about it for more than five seconds, you realize that's stupid. So here's what you have to do. Back to rehearsing the gospel, you have to believe the gospel. And when you sin, repent, turn to the Lord, believe the gospel, and put your hand back on the plow, Okay? Like, don't make that excuse that I can't do this because of what happened yesterday or a day ago or 10 years ago. Like, that's stupid. Don't do that. Believe the gospel. It's true. It's true. Jesus actually forgives your sins, actually washes you clean with repentance, and you can move on and do the next thing and be obedient. Okay? The sin thing, I don't want to minimize sin or whatever, but I don't want us to be like, well, I can't do blank uh, because of... Condemnation, okay? Next excuse, it's not my gift. Who cares? Okay? Who cares? There are people with a specific gift of evangelism. Ephesians 4. Uh, if if uh, you're looking for a Sunday school, Max's class just started spiritual gifts um, this week. So I'm assuming you're going to continue that next week. Evangelism is a spiritual gift, okay? Does that mean no one else evangelizes? I hope not. Right? Absolutely not, okay? You might not be good at evangelism, but being good at it is not the point. Being obedient is the point. Being, being faithful, right? Just being a sheepdog. Just, okay, I'll go do this thing that, that you said. All right, um, biggest excuse, most relevant excuse, I think, uh, is the fear of man. Okay? Uh, we are deathly afraid of what other people think of us. For some reason. I don't, you know. Part of our fallen condition is we care what other people think of us, especially in the West. I read a quote this week that most of the world fears the raised fist. Americans fear the raised eyebrow. What do you... What? What is wrong with you? Know what I mean? Like that, that, that kind of deal. So we have fears. We're like fear. We have fears that they won't listen anyway. Okay. So I've, I've had this one come up a lot. Like I've, I've said, hey. Can I, you got two minutes that I could just share the gospel with you, just tell you about what, what Jesus has done in my life. And, and, and uh, the guy, it was so funny, and I kind of respect him for it, just for being honest. But he was like, no, I'm good. It's like, oh, all right. <laughs> you know, walk of shame uh, uh, away, right? Can I tell you about Jesus? No. Okay, all right. Uh, we fear they'll be offended at us. Okay, so you're going to share the gospel with someone in, in the Bible belt uh, uh, of the world, Tonkawa. And the premise of sharing the gospel is, I don't think you know it, and I don't think you're a Christian. And they're like, you don't think I'm a Christian? I was like, oh, I thought that was pretty well established based on your life. <laughs> but, <laughs> so now I've offended them. Okay, I'm, I'm fear fear of, of that. Or, or we fear they'll bring up an objection that, that we're... Not equipped to answer, okay? Well, what about all those objections, you know, contradictions uh, in the Bible, right? You, you get some of those. What about the Canaanite genocide? What about slavery? What about this? What about that? And you're not equipped, and so you, you, you're afraid of that. You're afraid of that um, coming up. And so I just want to say all of those fears are understandable. And just really quickly on that, if you ever get the, what about all the contradictions in the Bible, ask them to show you one. Because they can't. They just watch the video on TikTok. And, oh, that must be true. And they're like, well, show me one. And then you go, go from there. Okay. All of those fears are understandable. Okay. I've, I've done all of them. Done all of them. And they're all understandable. But they're not legitimate reasons not to evangelize. Okay. Consider actual fears um, of, of evangelism. Um, if you remember, Joel Richardson was here last spring, I believe. He, does a, he works with FAI in the Middle East. He's got a brother, a uh, brother in the Lord over there, 
um, who is a uh, uh, you know raised Muslim, and he's kind of in, he's not like a sheik, but he's like in that royal line, whatever. Okay, and uh, man in white appears to him in a dream. <laughs> okay, and uh, a member of FAI preaches the gospel to him, and he's like, "Oh, I know who you're talking about. I had a dream, right?" And then, and he shares the gospel with him. He tells him, "You got to repent and believe uh, in that man in in white who died on the cross for your sins." The guy believes it, okay? And now as a disciple of Jesus, as he's following Jesus, he's like, okay, well, I want to share this with my wife. Here's the problem. If I share this with my wife and she doesn't receive it, for me, right? That's, that's a fear. I'm, a, I'm not going to share the gospel because I'm afraid for my life. It's very different than I'm not going to share the gospel because, you know what I mean? But even that... Jesus says, even that, fear for your life, is not a reason not to evangelize, okay? Matthew 10, he's sending them out as sheep among wolves here. He says, what I tell you guys in the dark, speak in the light, what you hear in a whisper, proclaim on the housetops, and don't fear those who can kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. Rather, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. So he says, don't be afraid of them, be afraid of me, Right? Like that, this is not Hobby Lobby coffee mug scripture, right? Be afraid that Jesus might destroy your body and soul in hell. You know, like, he, like that's not what, what's happening here. So to be faithful in evangelism, not good at evangelism, just faithful and obedient in it. We need the fear of the Lord to trump fear of man. Okay, I'm not saying fear of man's not real. I had it yesterday. But the fear of the Lord Fear of, of, of what's going to happen to people who don't repent and believe the gospel. And fear of what Jesus is going to do to those who are ashamed of him and his words. Right? Luke, Luke 9. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory. And that of the Father and his holy angels, Jude, with flaming fire. Right? That's scarier than a guy going, no, that's okay. Right? Split sky, angels. Fire, son of man, way scarier than any should bring uh, more fear. So that this that Jesus and his return and the judgment, and all these things, these drive um, Paul's evangelism. The scripture we read at the start, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Messiah to give account for what the deeds that we have done in the body. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, right? The return of Jesus and all of that entails knowing the fear of the Lord. We try to persuade people, Right. That's driving him, not fear of man. And again, those other fears, I get it. They're real. We need to do some training on those things, like especially like apologetics, just some basic apologetics to help people work through objections or whatever. But those aren't on the same level as the fear of the Lord. Okay, This is a far bigger deal than you feeling uncomfortable for 30 seconds. Because that was kind of the blessing of the, of the guy that was just like, no, that's okay. I was like, whew. You know, again, not a good attitude, but where where it was. Again, members meeting after service today. You can get rid of the coward pastor. All right, so we're going to pray. We're going to rehearse the gospel ourselves. We're going to dump the excuses. And then what I want to press today is just do obvious evangelism. Okay? Don't do hard evangelism. I'm not saying don't do that. But for our purposes and, and, and being... Baby evangelists, let's just start with the low-hanging fruit, with the easy stuff, okay? 
So I, heart evangelism um, is the random stranger on the airplane. And so <laughs> I, when I share the gospel on an airplane, I wait till the end of the flight. <laughs> now, next plane I'm on, I'm going to start at the front of the flight because I admitted this to you and confessed my sins. But I start at the end because if it doesn't go well, all right, well, that's over. If you start at the beginning, it's like, oh, I got four hours and he wants nothing to do with me. So that, that's hard. The, the grocery store line is hard just because you're like, you, you don't know them. And it's, it, Let's do the easy ones, okay? So share the gospel. Uh, Stoney went point by point through this today. Share the gospel at home, okay? With your kids. Your kids should be evangelized by their parents, Okay. Um, we're going to find out in the age to come, moms led far more people to Jesus than Billy Graham did. Okay, so share the gospel at home. That's an easy one. Funerals. Good Lord, this one takes me off. Okay, this really makes me mad. Funerals are for the gospel. Okay, so just think about this softball, this massive beach ball that's being tossed to churches who, who do funerals. One, people have to come. Right? Like, they got to be there. Like, people take off work to come to funerals because they're like, I gotta go, right? They have to be there. Death and mortality are on everyone's minds, right? That's why we're here. Someone has died. And then oftentimes, there's a dead body there, right? Hopefully closed. Sometimes it's open. There's a dead body there. The result of sin in the middle of the room. So you got these three things going for you. And then, in my position, they're going to give you a microphone. Say, I don't know, whatever you want. You know what I mean? So, so you, 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 it's the lowest hanging fruit there is for evangelism. But unfortunately, I've been to many funerals, okay? I've been to standing room only funerals uh, 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 of, a, of a young, right? Because like a young, the younger the person is, like the bigger the service is. I've been to standing room only funerals. You cannot get a seat. And when, when it's time to, to get to the thing, like why we are there, there's no mention of the resurrection of the dead. And I've got a dead body here. And we're not, we're not preaching the resurrection of the dead? What on earth? There's no good news for God, you know, God's answer for death. There's no mention of the necessity for repentance and faith in Jesus' work to inherit eternal life. And it's preachers doing this, okay? And I'm sure they're good-hearted and love God, but somewhere along the way, they didn't... They, I shouldn't do evangelism at the funeral? I've got a dead body here. And my gospel says that body gets raised up to everlasting life. And I've got a microphone. And they can't go anywhere. Right? You know, they, they're, they're, they're not trying to draw attention to themselves at, at a funeral. So no, funerals, guys, as a church, like this has to be a time where the person speaking has to be crystal clear on the good news and its required response. And then two, those who attend and help with the funeral, you guys jump on the opportunity to engage with sad people. Okay. I am so sorry for your loss. Next week, bring them a casserole or, or whatever you bring them. I don't No, whatever you bring them. And then the next week, holler at him and say, hey, I've been praying for you, thinking about this. Here's how I dealt with with death and suffering in in my own life. And because here's how I've dealt with it as a Christian. Can I get together and just share that with you? And then you're off to the races, okay? Like a funeral is just like a, here you go. And you just, okay? So low-hanging fruit, right? Funeral, easy. Weddings, same thing. People have to be there. There's a bride and a groom, and they're coming together, 
And then that leads to a feast. And they're going to give you a microphone. My man, preach the gospel at the funeral. Church. Okay, here's the more, more obvious one. Okay. Uh, homes, wedding, funerals, the lowest hanging fruit for evangelism, the easiest one that you guys can do today because we're at church um, is our church meetings, okay? We want to have a culture in our body, a way of doing and being that adorns the gospel message. So how do we do this? We invite, okay? We invite. This is an easy step to evangelism. Your lost friend asks you, hey, what are you doing this weekend? (laughs) Well, I'm a member of Christian Life Church. We meet on Sundays. Would you want to come with us? Was that hard? No, they're a normal person. They ask you what you're doing this weekend. Um, you tell them. And then in a church with a culture of evangelism, where we're like, our antennas are up to do evangelism, you can invite and you can be certain that the friend that you invited, that you worked through the fear of man issues to invite, they're going to hear the gospel at church. It's a shocker, I know. Wow, Josh, how'd you think that up? Okay, because evangelistic churches preach. And when we preach, it doesn't matter what passage we're covering. The gospel is going to be clear. Okay, the friend that you invited is going to hear about the day of the Lord. He's going to hear about the man, Christ Jesus. He's going to hear about his cross. He's going to hear about repentance and forgiveness of sins through believing in that cross. He's going to hear about the resurrection of the dead. He's going to be called to respond. And when I'm preaching, I'm going to put the onus back on you to share the gospel with them, right? What do I do on Sunday? I say, look, the day of the Lord is coming. Okay, those who uh, put their trust in Jesus will be raised from the dead to live forever. Those who do not put their trust in Jesus will be cast into a lake of fire. Jesus, God sent his son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. Okay, and so you have to repent and believe in the gospel. If you have questions about that, you can talk to the person you came with. You can talk to the person you're sitting with. You can talk to me or any of our elders after. But please don't leave here today not trusting in Jesus. Every Sunday since 2015, that has happened. Okay? On purpose. Because you went to the hard work, hard work, to invite your friend to church. And they're going to hear the gospel. Okay? So if you're here today, and you're not trusting in Jesus, you're not trusting in his cross for the forgiveness of your sins, and you're not trusting in his life for a guarantee of your eternal life, and you're continuing to go your own way and walk, walk your own path, that path leads to death. There is a path that leads to life. It's a path of repentance and a path of faith and trust. And if you have questions about that, talk to the person you came with. Talk to me or any of our elders, but don't leave here today not trusting in Jesus for eternal life. Okay? If that's you. Okay? And then, after service, okay, or later that week, the friend has heard the gospel, they've heard a call to respond, and they say, hey, they hit you up, and they say, hey, what what Josh or Reese or or Keith or Stoney or whoever's preaching said in that sermon about repentance and actually turning from sin and actually putting all my trust in Jesus really stuck with me. I thought I was a Christian, but now I'm not so sure. Can we talk? You knock that thing out of the park, okay? That's what an evangelistic culture does. You're confident the gospel will be made clear at church. What a concept, okay? But uh, imagine a church without an evangelistic or gospel culture. I'm not preaching next week, so I'm going to go like five minutes long today, okay? You, You know your friend is lost. 
Okay, you worked through all the fear of man stuff to invite them. And then miracle of miracles, they say yes. In the year of our Lord, 2023, they say yes, gathering with the church on the weekend. And that Sunday sermon, though it might have a random string of Bible verses all, all through it and sound good and make you happy, there's no gospel in it. There's no, there's no pointing people to the cross. There's no call to repentance and, and, and faith. And so even if your friend had, by God's grace, wanted to repent and wanted to believe that Sunday, the preacher didn't tell him how. That's very sad. And it happens all, all the time. The non-evangelistic culture of the church hindered the evangelistic efforts of that friend. Okay, this, this happened to me in college. Okay, so I would invite my teammates to, uh, uh, to church in, in Terra Nova, and they never came, okay, because, you know, reasons. Uh, but one Sunday night, they did. They showed up. They're like, I think either coach canceled practice, so they, they thought we were going to practice, so they couldn't, they didn't want to drive home, and then it was canceled. Like, oh, I'm stuck in Tonkawa on Sunday night. This was pre-Hub. This was pre-Taco Bell. This was pre-any of that. We had Scrubway. It was all, all the talk I had to offer. Okay, But one Sunday night, they, they, they show up. And instead of a sermon, the guest speaker has us act out the letters of the Hebrew alphabet with our bodies. Like Aleph, right? And B, I don't... My Hebrew is not going great. B, whatever that is. And then at one point, we're reclining around the table like Jesus did at, at the, the Last Supper. To, and, and sweet lady, godly, like, like wasn't just... Nothing wrong with it, but guys, I've got a room full of lost college students who have to be there. There's free food. They came. Preach the gospel, okay? We, we do not want to play games with Sunday morning, not in our sermons, not in our songs, not in our, not in our prayers, not in any of it, okay? Every week, as part of our mission of evangelism, we preach the gospel and we call people to repent, okay? So I've preached the gospel. I've called you to repent today. So do that if you haven't. If you have questions, talk to a member of our church. Talk to me. Talk to any of our elders after, okay? In that same vein, a culture of discipleship in a church is looking for uh, opportunities to to evangelize at church, okay? The members of the church with an evangelistic culture, they come to church concerned with two things, okay? They come to church concerned with God, and they come to church concerned with people. That's what's on their mind when they get to that parking lot, okay? They don't wake up on Sunday thinking that these drums better not be too loud, okay? That the air conditioner better not be too cold or too hot. I'm dying. Oh, my gosh. But I will gladly bear this cross if it will keep you. <laughs> okay. None of those things don't matter. But compared to God being worshipped and disciples being encouraged and lost people being connected with. All that other stuff's garbage. It's fine. Whatever. But my goal on Sunday is to come in because I'm an evangelist and my antennas are up. Okay. How can God be worshipped today? How can members be encouraged? And how can lost people be reached? That's all I care about. Okay. And Barry, turn the AC down, man. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Okay, like, like uh, that's what we're doing. And so I want to, com- I could commend a lot of you in this, but uh, Reese, Sean, and Holly uh, just stick out to me on this. If a new person walks in the doors on Sunday, uh, it's a race between those three to greet them. Okay, uh, and, and then they'll sit by them, and then they'll invite them to lunch or to their home group. Right? 
you guys, like, they hit all, they, all three of them hit you just first thing when, when you come in. And I say that's just a normal thing that happens in a church that has an evangelistic culture. We come to church and we're thinking about it. We're looking around like, okay, who do I need to sit with? Who, I don't know that person. I need to go talk to them, give them some church information, share the gospel with them, invite them to group, invite them to lunch, whatever. This is just normal for what we're doing. And I just, back to the time thing. Those three people got a lot going on, okay? Like Holly just being Holly. Where is Holly? Holly just being Holly has a lot (laughs) going on just in Holly's life. Just Holly has a lot. Reese has like a hundred kids. Sean, you know, doing everything. Like they're just making time. They're here on Sunday. Oh, there's someone I don't know. Bam. You're coming to my house, right? This is just what we do. It's not a program, not something we plan. It's just like, I'm at church. I'm concerned about God, and I'm concerned about people, okay? And the point of that is just that at church, everyone's on game, okay? Like, everyone's here. We're really concerned about God. We're really concerned about people, and we're going to work together to make these things um, happen, okay? So, let's work for that kind of culture. Acts 2.47, after you get the sermon of Acts 2, and you get the, the, what they're doing, Devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and the breaking of bread and the prayers and the fellowship. Acts 2.47. And then the Lord added to their number daily the number of souls that were being saved from the wrath to come. Right? The culture of the church was just evangelistic by um, nature. So let's work for that. Let's invite people. Okay? Let's make sure the gospel is clearly presented in our songs, in our sermons, at the table. You know we preach the gospel here every week? And we call people to repent here every week, right? Because we say, if you're not believing this, you can't take, right? This isn't for everyone. This is for people who are repenting and believing. And so if you want to partake in this now and partake in the big one at the age to come, repent. Put your trust, right? We do it at, at the table and all of our stuff. We want to follow up with people. And just on another note, because I've got you here, make it a habit just to speak well of your church in the community, right? You can, no, don't lie, all right? Like, how was church Sunday? Well, Josh went like 10 minutes long. You know, you can tell the truth, but like just speak well of, of the culture here and the body here and the people here. And um, anyway, so way to get your uh, hands practically on this. Go to our church website, go to our app, click on resources, click on evangelism. Uh, and there's a document called the Ministry of the Pew or the Ministry of the Comfy Chair. Um, and, uh, and it's just practical ways that on Sunday... We're all working together to be evangelists, okay? To be people who speak the good news to people and adorn it um, with our lives. If you have home groups meeting tonight, I would actually like us to just read these out loud tonight. That's okay. <laughs> okay, read through that, that document. Um, same thing with our home groups. We want to bring people into that sort of environment, and it shares the weight of evangelism, okay? Like, it's not just me sharing the gospel. I've got a group of people that are all bugging this person, Okay. Um, uh, let's make strategic lists of lost people that the Lord might be leading us to evangelize. We used to do this, actually. Here's what happened. I was, because I go through seasons of whatever, and I was super fired up about evangelism. So at our home group, I was like, all right, everyone, who are you going to share the gospel with this week? Who are you going to share the gospel with this week? Next, next week, we'll gather and we'll see if you did it. And we did a couple weeks where we didn't do it, and then we just stopped doing it. It's a shame. Let's do that again. Let's pray for the lost at group and then encourage and, and keep each other accountable to do it. Okay? So this week at our group, um, which thank you for the pool. That was wonderful. Yeah. Um, and it kept the kids away from the group for a little bit so we could actually, it was great. 
at, at, at group, we had uh, uh, we were discussing the guy that we know is lost, that we want to come to the Lord. Ryan texted me the next day. I was like, hey, I'm going to meet with this person and see if they're going to read the Bible with me. So now i got to hold Ryan accountable. Where's Ryan? There he is. Yeah, you got to meet with that guy, okay? Or at least try to. Okay, that was way too long on those. The next ones are going to be really quick, okay? Can we just do really quick? How to steps to evangelism. Uh, next, ask questions and share your story. Everybody's favorite subject is themselves. Okay, so just ask. Hey, and in America, what do we? Oh, what's your name? Oh, what do you do? Right, that's what we. That's normal. It's fine. Do that, and so as they start to tell them, uh, tell about themselves, uh, suffering will come up because this age is this age. We had a fire. I have no money. Getting divorced. Life is hard right now. And when it does, you steer that conversation towards the gospel. Because they threw you a softball, and all you did was ask a question. Right? You say, "Oh no, I'm so sorry about fill in the blank." Would you mind if I shared how I've been able to navigate these things? Right? I believe the day of the Lord is coming, and, I, and you know, now is not always the whole bit. Or you ask questions, you, you steer it to the gospel. That doesn't happen. You ask questions, then they, like normal people, older people will do this. Younger people will not do this because they are doing this. Right, you can ask them questions. But if you ask an older person, they'll they'll say, "Well, what about you?" Right? You've had a conversation before. Okay. <laughs> they'll say, "What about you?" And then you get to do the First uh, Peter three fifteen thing and give a defense for the hope that is in you. Right? Right. You get to do that just by asking questions. Also on the question strategy, uh, when they ask, "What did you do this weekend?" You can say, well, Saturday, we blah, 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 faith, Shabbat, right? Saturday, we did this, and then on Sunday, we went to church. And church was really good. The sermon was about this, da, 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 da. What about you? Are you a believer? Do you, like, easy, right? No, no, they asked you, right? You guys brought this on yourself, right? Um, next, be strategic. I'm all for door-to-door. I'm all for street corner guy with a bullhorn. All for it. Love it. Go for it. Like, I would never, ever, ever criticize or condemn anyone who does that. Um, on door to door though, a couple of years ago we were doing door to door. Sierra and Deborah, the guy answered in his underwear. I'm not gonna say it out loud. <laughs> uh, which was a great, and they just segued right into the gospel. Said, you know, a day is coming when all will be exposed. <laughs> I'm just kidding. If you go back in time, you would have. No. So I think what, what I mean by be strategic is is. I think you'll find yourself doing more fruitful and faithful evangelism by thinking strategically through your normal rhythm of, of uh, life. So, Holly, uh, how long, are you still at the store? Yeah. Till, till July and then back to the classroom. Um, uh, Holly, Holly's learning how to greet in Chinese because lots of Chinese people come through and that's Holly's already there, right? A normal part of her life. She's. Okay, Uh, if your kids are in sports, think strategically about who you're going to be sitting next to at games for the next six months and then strategize. (laughs) Just kidding. But you are going to be around them a lot. And strategize how you can get to a gospel conversation with them. Because you're already going to be there, right? You you have to sit there and sweat, right? Man, you think it's hot here. (laughs) Right? Bam, you're there. (laughs) You're there. Seventh thing, be diligent, okay? Be diligent. Uh, first, just be diligent to do it. Think of evangelism like uh, prayer, 
or exercise, right? I just am going to do it. It's just, I'm just going to do it, okay? It's not a habit yet. I'm just going to make it a discipline and, and do it, okay? And on this diligence and habit thing, don't let not evangelizing keep you from evangelizing, right? Because this is what we do with prayer, right? I haven't prayed in a while. I guess I can't pray, right? I haven't evangelized in a while. I'd be a hypocrite to evangelize now. No, that's retarded. Don't do that. It's very stupid. Very stupid thought. You don't do that with food. I haven't eaten in a while, but it's not eat. No. No, just make a discipline. Repent. Sign up again. Say yes. Okay, yesterday, this week, this month, this year, this decade, I did not share the gospel. Lord, today, I'm going to sign up and say yes and be diligent to do it. And then the next day, if you don't do it, you know what you do again? You say, Lord, I repent. And you sign up and you do it again, right? Like this is how discipline works. This is how it is, it is built. And then just like exercise and prayer and everything else, don't get discouraged when you don't see results right away, right? Like, Ryan, you're looking great, but we've been at it a while, you know? Like, don't get discouraged, you just keep going, okay? Evangelism is about doing. It's not about results. You just do it. Second on the diligent step, and this is the longest sermon I've preached in nine years. Sorry. I'm serious. I said, yeah. Um, on the diligent step, to be diligent, uh, stick around, okay? The data people, whoever they are, Pew, Barna, I don't, I've never met them, but they have polls about us. They say it takes around seven times for someone to hear the gospel before they will respond to it. So in as you homegrown Tonkawa people, um, just stick around. When you turn to the Lord and you either shared the gospel um, or your, your life changed and you started to share, people likely didn't want to hear you, okay? But if you're diligent and if you stay on the path and, and you remain in their life, those same people that you ministered to, um, in high school and college, early in life, they're going to have a crisis later in life. Who are they going to turn to? The weird Jesus kid from high school, right? We'll see how he's doing if he still acts like he has answers for this stuff. Okay? So just stick around. Just be a Christian. Be a very normal, boring Christian. And stick around. Be diligent. Um, Kale, Sheldon, you guys are in high school now. Be faithful to the gospel now. Share the gospel now, and 10 years from now, someone from your class is going to come up to you and say, hey man, my life is totally falling apart. And you'd be like, all right, let's talk. Okay? And then the last thing is to be encouraged. Matthew eight eleven. I think we have it up there. If I can invite the musicians, yeah. This is encouraging to me as an evangelist. Jesus tells the disciples, I tell you, Many will come. How many? Many. many. Now, Matthew 7, he says, few find the road. So work that out. But Matthew 8, he says, many will come from the east and the west to share in the banquet with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. So you can be encouraged today and you can go out and share the gospel in your normal routine of life. Okay. And be confident that this will come true. Many will come. Many will dine at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And you'll be like, hey, look at us. We're here. Okay? All right, I'll be quiet. Let's, let's... I have 30 seconds or less. You can have, I took 47 minutes, so you... Wow.
Oh, let me turn that on for you. I shared this 